Hey there, guys, and welcome once again to the next episode of the AFA Gaming Podcast, the podcast dedicated to the medium of video games and the animation that brings them to life. My name is Rachel, and joining me once again is my good friend, Chris. Hello. Hey there. Hey, how you doing? Good. I'm really excited about today's topic because I know we've been hinting at this one for a little while, the last couple episodes we've been doing, because a certain development studio has been cropping up in conversation. If you listen to our previous episodes, you'll have heard it. Um, We're big fans of the development studio Naughty Dog, you know, the folks who've worked hard on bringing the, you know, all the Uncharted games as well as the very successful uh, Last of Us, which is in our previous episode discussing the E3 titles, we made sure to discuss the, uh, the trailer that dropped at E3 for the sequel to The Last of Us, and we were very, we were very excited by that, what we were shown. Um, but we just kind of wanted to, like, in the wake of that release, we kind of just wanted to kind of go back and look at, you know, take a look at the studio as a whole, and, you know, the games that, you know, first brought us into awareness of who they were, what they were doing, what kind of games they were making, and what really, as a studio, what, you know, video game developers, what makes them stand out to the rest of, you know, other video game studios and primarily Sony, since they've really kind of barred one of like the biggest releases to come out of the, the Sony PlayStation, especially in the, both for the PlayStation 2, PlayStation 3, and now the PlayStation 4 is expected to be very high for these, you know, for these new uh, The Last of Us and whatever else they have on the horizon. So... Yeah, let's uh, kind of jump right into it with um, how we just kind of became aware of the studio over time. Um, Chris, I think you probably have the two of us had the earliest experience, and I know you've been looking forward to talking about you know Uncharted and Naughty Dog games in general. So how about you start us off? Yeah, well, I would have first come into contact with Naughty Dog games via their sort of breakout franchise, I suppose which was on the original PlayStation and was Crash Bandicoot. Ah, yes. Yeah. Um, I would have played that when I got my um, my PlayStation back in the day. And I was a big uh, platform game fan. Um, like, I, I loved all the platform games on Nintendo, like Super Nintendo and everything. And uh, so when I went on, went into the 3D realm for the first time, I would have wanted to get some platform type games and um, obviously it's not full it's not mario 64 basically um, no no it's before mario 64 i assume I yes because i think um that was just around the time that a lot of games were starting to make that turn into the third dimension um and in order to kind of get ahead of the um of everyone else because i think the gentlemen who originally like founded Naughty Dog, make sure I have their names here because I want to make sure they're given due credit. Uh, Jason Rubin and Andy Gavin, who were uh, kind of spearheading the, you know, Naughty Dog, you know, from the very beginning, from the, when they were teenagers, when they first got, they were making games for Universal Interactive Studios, which is where Crash Bandicoot first came, uh, came to be. And uh, this was kind of like, giving the, um, you know, the Sony PlayStation, which had just come out, or was just coming out, um, kind of like an unofficial mascot. Yeah, because so. Sony didn't own them, but... Um, no. That, or, I don't, did they own them now, or is it just an exclusive deal? It was a deal to make, from my understanding, it was a deal, uh, a three-game deal yeah. that they had with, uh, with uh, 
these two guys. And they did own the rights to Crash Bandicoot, though. Mm-hmm. So that's why they, for the, at the very start when they made Crash Bandicoot and that was really successful, the young Crash Bandicoot had to stay with Universal Interactive Studios for the time. But then when, um, I think later on after Crash's success, Sony basically bought Naughty Dog and was like, okay, we're going to let you guys have, you know, we're going to still let you guys work independently to make games, but obviously we need to make new platforming characters because you're really good at that. Have you ever played Crash Bandicoot? Oh, I'm trying to remember. I feel like I tried playing it once upon a time, but I can't remember if that was prior or like before or after I had actually played the game that was my first experience with them. And we'll get to it in a minute, mm-hmm. but um, which came after Crash Bandicoot's success. But um, I did recall playing it. I didn't really, I couldn't really wrap my head around it because I'm, I also was, I'm a big fan of platforming or uh, traversing video games where you play as a you know third person perspective of a character but at least the earlier crash bandicoot games were so linear mm-hmm. i was used to more free roaming you know maps and a lot bigger places to explore like you would see in like mar you know mario 64 or spyro um later on but it's just like i would that was what i was used to so the fact that i was just kind of trapped on this one linear path going back and forth kind of I don't know. It just didn't really click with me. I As, guess the word I'm looking for here. <laughs> yeah. As I said, it was I pre, or I believe it was pre Mario 64. So it was before, you know, true 3D platformers. And it was, yeah, it was basically into the screen or away from the screen. That was the variation. Sometimes there was like um, running away from a, bol- a boulder rolling into the screen. So Early on, they're laying down their sort of, hey, we like Indiana Jones credentials, which might come back a bit later. Uh, uh, certainly would. It certainly would. Um, but yeah, I I did like Crash Bandicoot back in the day. I have to be completely honest with you. I am not 100%. I haven't got a massive sense of nostalgia for that series. Um, mm. I enjoyed it at the time. And then I went on to play sort of more proper 3D platformers. And, you know, I, I never had a Nintendo 64, so I didn't have Mario 64. So mm-hmm. I couldn't compare it to that. But I had, you know, <laughs> I had um, some other 3D platformers on the PlayStation later, like like Spyro, which I really loved. Um, <laughs> Croc was just one I always remember. Which oh, was, yeah, Croc. Yeah. Yes, yes, I recall that. I remember that one. And, you know, even like, Tomb Raider, which is basically <laughs> a sophisticated platformer in a lot of ways. Um, yeah. And, you know, we all know about my... Well, if you've listened to my previous episodes, you know about my affinity for Tomb Raider. Yeah, we had, a, we had an episode all about that. That was our second episode of this podcast. If you hadn't had have a chance to listen to that, go definitely go listen to that episode. We had a fun time talking about <laughs> the evolution of Lara Croft. But, um, no, yeah, I mean... There, there again, not a lot of, I think it's just, I had difficulty wrapping, wrapping my head around the game. I probably have a lot easier time with the game now if I have mm. an opportunity to replay it. And I know they remastered the games recently, which is really cool. So people who may not have had a chance to experience it at the time will have a chance to go back, check it out. But the one thing I have to make a mention about Crash Bandicoot, um, from what I recall when it was first coming out, because I was at a, I was a, a bit of a transitory time in my life where I was about to move from one country to the next. But I do recall very distinctly 
but the way at least they were marketing Crash Bandicoot at the time, since he was the going to be the de facto like uh, Sony PlayStation uh, mascot character to come, you know, to compete with Mario and Sonic. Um, there were commercials, at least that were put on in the United States at the time, where someone I don't know who was dressed up in a Crash Bandicoot out, you know, costume, and he literally like drives up in a car or like a truck uh, and comes out with a big, like, in a little, like a, like a microphone or one of those, like those, uh, those speaker microphones. And basically outside of like the Nintendo building or Sega and basically was just like calling out both Mario and Sonic's like, it's like, you guys feel your days are numbered? Look at this. Well, <laughs> I think I that's, do. I think that's a very bold strategy. It um, was, it got my attention. Uh, Cause yeah, I think to be fair, I'm not sure Crash Bandicoot really um, can hold up against Mario games, to be fair. Um, which I, like, I, um, I have, to, you say about the remastered thing, that is kind of when I realised I didn't have any nostalgia for it, because it's like, hey, we're bringing out all the um, remastered ones, and I'm like, I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> most, most things will be like, um, when, um, there's been something I've, I used to play back in the day and it's coming back like like Parappa, the rapper or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, oh yeah. my God, I want to play that again. Or, <laughs> or there's the Spyro remaster coming out. That looks beautiful and everything. Oh yeah, I need, I, I need to play some more Spyro. I, I, need, it's, I mean, we'll get to that because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to refer back to that in a little bit because that is, you'd be surprised at how, and when I was doing some research for these early days of Naughty Dog, how often I would see certain names between uh, both Naughty Dog and Insomniac go back and forth. And a lot of people who we might mention later on in this uh, episode were also in very much involved with the creation and uh, development of Spyro. So we'll, we'll get to that. But it's just, yeah, <laughs> Spyro yeah. Remastered looks wonderful. And it's coming out later in November here in the States. I'm like, I, I need to get that. Yeah, I, I just feel like they're real Mario games and stuff. So I don't need that anymore. <laughs> um, but still, I have, I have to give credit where credit is due. I really kind of like the fact that when they were first married, that, that Crash was kind of like the the big kid on the block, kind of just like, you know, or like, I guess more big, unruly kid on the block when it came to, uh, when it comes to video game mascots. Like he's just, he's a little all over the place, but you kind of have to love him for that in a weird oh. way. Oh, he's he's so nineties though, isn't he? He could only he come is, out of the nineties. But, but here's the thing: he's enjoyably nineties. He's like he's like a timestamp of what the nineties looked like. So, oh, it's an animal with attitude. How nineties is that? <laughs> and I really kind of like the the aspect of his design too, because the fact that like his head and his body are literally one in the same shape. Mm -hmm. When you look at you know from a character design standpoint, I just find that fascinating in terms of like. Okay, how like how can you expect to animate something that looks quite like this? But they they found a way to do it, even with what little technology they had to try. You know, um, you know, or even I'm not sure how much money they were given when they were first making the first, very first Crash game. But they 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 did what they could with it, and they you know for as much as they could get out of it, they they were. I'm glad they got as much success as they got out of it. In, period, in general. Yeah, they got a trilogy out of it. At least on PlayStation Three, uh, yeah, the racing game, which Crash Team Racing, which I re I remember very fondly. Actually, I remember it being one of the best 
Mario Kart clones. But <laughs> that at also, I have to say, at the time, I did not have access to a real Mario Kart game, so perhaps it wasn't so great, but I remember it being pretty good. <laughs> no, you're not the only one. I know there are quite a few people who I'm familiar with who have talked about uh, the crash racing and um, who played both Mario Kart and crash racing. And I don't know, maybe it's just a nostalgia thing, but yeah, mm. there were a lot of people like, oh, crash racing was wonderful. That the, yeah. Wonderful enough that people, you know, they, had to, they made several, adi- you know, editions of it, a new new editions of it and people still love them so Mm -hmm. it's it's got an audience and for good reason but um it was through to the success of um crash bandicoot that you know naughty dog was able to continue on and as i said earlier uh sony kind of just gave him like okay you guys know what you're doing we're gonna go ahead and see if we can get you some you know give you for some free reign to make some newer games of your own obviously they wanted a new kind of like platforming mascot character though i'm not i still don't think this they became like any i wouldn't say they're as iconic as as some of the other characters that we've seen like crash bandicoot or spyro or such but the next game to that naughty dog took under was another platforming game again a little bit more free roaming which appealed to me but that's this was be only be released for the playstation 2 like this is just around the time the playstation 2 was uh was hitting store shelves and uh, this was kind of uh, Naughty Dog getting ahead of the game and kind of taking advantage of the new technology available from the PS2. And that was the very first Jack and Daxter, uh, the Precursor's Legacy. Um, I think it was the reason why I mentioned this as my first game, even though I'm pretty sure, you know, I was already familiar with Crash Bandicoot in terms of advertising and maybe watching a little bit of it, but not really. Like, I don't ever really, I didn't really pick up to play it until a lot later, but uh, the first game of Naughty Dogs that I did actually pick up and play, not long after I saw it, was uh, was Jack and Daxter, The Precursor's Legacy. And I have a very, very deep fondness for the Jack and Daxter trilogy, because uh, there was just something about it, especially the first one, that just really kind of just leapt out of the screen and grabbed me by my shirt collar and just like, you're like, you're going to look at me and you're not going to look away because it was just, I had never seen anything like it on the play, at least on the PlayStation uh, before in terms of capturing kind of like this really kind of cartoony, like, like, like it was like playing a Saturday morning cartoon almost in a way mm-hmm. because it just had it, their animation in the game and the uh, cutscenes was just so lively and energetic. Like, People, I think people still today kind of like will look back on the animation that came out of that game as you know, very, very groundbreaking for its time in terms of how they were able to animate their characters. And it's it's again, it's it's not perfect. I and mean, we've made you know great advancements have been made you know in recent years to make sure that you know that to that kind of dwarf that. But at the same time, I think for what they were able to do, it the game looks still looks great. I I, I just it's so it's so charming and like I said, full of energy and personality that I can't help but come back to it every now and again. Did you have a really ever play it or was that one of those titles that just kind of passed you by? I'm pretty sure I played the first one at some point. I There's a lot of games I've played where I'm like, I don't know if I ever owned that or if I just played a demo or if I rented it or mm-hmm. what but I've definitely played it in some capacity, but not a whole lot. 
So it might have just been the demo or something. I do remember playing it. Anything I, stick out at you? Like anything you remember from that short time that you played it? I think I quite like the because uh, the setup is how it is. Obviously, it's Jack and Daxter. Mm-hmm. You're controlling a character, and you've got like a little sidekick. Creature. He literally just hangs out on the shoulder. Like that's yeah. the entire time. I I remember thinking that was pretty cool. I like that. I think. I I get a little confused between that and Ratchet and Clank, to be honest. <laughs> understandable, understandable. They were both. They actually, I think, they both came out around the relatively the same time. So I remembered like a lot of people who I would talk to about playing those games would. Be, it was kind of like you know one of those those playground arguments. What's better, Jack and Daxter or Ratchet and Clank? Um, and I I love both of those those platforming games for what they were able to do. But I don't know. There's just I don't know. There was, they both had such as a really quirky sense of humor and just had a really nice blend of, you know, really getting you into the game and going between levels and customizing, like, say, you know, different things. But I think, at least in the Precursor's Legacy, Jack and Daxter had a bit more of a fantasy vibe to it, whereas uh, Ratchet and Clank was, you know, firmly planted in, you know, goofy science fiction I th- I think one of the things I remember about it is that there was a big tonal, or there seemed to be like a big tonal shift between the first and the second game. Oh, was, like, was there ever? It was like, oh no, no, it's serious now. This is not your, not your baby, Jack and Daxter. No, he got no, and now. you know why? And um, he's he's got a goatee, has he? I don't know. Yeah, he he grew a goatee. Jack Jack decided to grow a goatee for some reason, but you know he it looks good on him. Um, Grand Theft Auto came out oh. around the time that, uh, just a little bit before Jack and Daxter were getting ready for their sequel. So, I mean, yeah. I will give, I will give Jason and Andy, you know, credit where it's due. Like, they were paying attention to what was coming out at the time and kind of like, I'm not sure if this was their idea or someone else who they had brought on to Naughty Dog because they had hired a lot of really great creative talent to, uh, help them design Jack and Daxter, because that was the point where they're like, okay, we have a lot, you know, a lot of tools at our disposal to work with. So let's just kind of go balls to the wall and just try to make the best platformer we can. Um, Moving on to the sequels, Jack and Daxter, or Jack 2, as it was called, Jack 2 and Jack 3, uh, obviously taking Daxter's name out of the title. Definitely got a lot grimmer, and then the as I said, the sci, you know, the um, fantasy elements were still kind of there, but it also had a kind of like a post-apocalyptic kind of, I wouldn't say quite Mad Maxi, but just like very kind of like hard edgy, incorporated some first-person shooter elements into, which was a very interesting shift, but it kind of made sense because at least with where I was at my life at the time, I was at the time where those kind of changes would catch my attention like oh oh they're like we're like kind of leading me along into the story like where's this like okay if they're daring to go this way how how far how deep are we gonna go here which kept me curious but even despite the darker tone you know when you have a sidekick character like daxter still running around you still the, the game cannot entirely lose its sense of humor Mm-hmm. But his levity, I think, became a lot more welcome with some of the darker shifts. So that way, you're not always just constantly like 
people with deep gravelly voices saying the world is getting worse there are monsters killing people etc cetera, etc cetera. so <laughs> but um i had even even when like it was kind of like the it, it took a really hard like left turn into the darker territory in the sequel but i still think it was in terms of what they were able to do with it it was still a very strong entry even the third game like you'll notice the tone kind of goes back a little bit more into the lighthearted tone. It kind of finds a really nice balance between the kind of light humor of the first one, the dark and more, I'm going to say, grittier tone of the sequel, and then the third game just found that happy balance between the two of them, which kind of, if for those of you who've played Jack and Daxter, know the, the Jack trilogy know, that's kind of thematically, <laughs> thematically uh, significant, So, which is like I have to give props to them from there. But no, yeah, there's a lot of really cool, talented people who worked on these, uh, who basically either started or came on in the midway, either working through Crash Bandicoot or getting their start here in Jack and Daxter, that would, um, some stayed to continue to work on um, the Uncharted games, which would be the next big thing that would get Naughty Dog a lot of attention in terms of, you know, being a big success. But unfortunately, um, Jason Rubin and Annie Gavin, well, let's see, Jason Rubin, I think he was actually the first of the original founding pair to leave um, Naughty Dog. And I think um, Andy Gavin would eventually later leave after the release of uh, Drake's Fortune, which was the very first Uncharted game. But um, they left, and along with a few others, but there were still some people like the uh, art designer who had been uh, worked as an artist for these early Naughty Dog games. Um, let me sure I have his name here. Bruce Stra uh, Straley, pardon me if I'm mispronouncing that, uh, you know, stick around. And we also have a few other key, key players, such as writer Amy Hennig, and I think who else? Uh, make sure I've got it. And, and Mark Cerny, who was, if I recall correctly, he was a programmer and designer for a lot of early, these early games, including, it looks like he went back and forth, like he was both a programmer, designer, and a producer for... Um, Crash Bandicoot back in, you know, it would been the early days of Naughty Dog, and then he would go to also be involved again. Spyro the Dragon, come his name comes up again. Yay. Also worked on Jack and Daxter, Jack 2, Ratchet and Clank, obviously, if he's working with Insomniac as well. Mm -hmm. And um, also some people might be uh, interested to know this, considering a certain game's success recently that just came out uh, earlier this month, a certain Spider-Man game that was released by Insomniac. Guess who was executive producing that? <laughs> Just that's Stanley. Guy. Yep. Yep. Yes, indeed. It was. It's just cool to see how like certain so many familiar names get around with these with these games. But um, so yeah, like unfortunately, the the people who originally founded the studio were no longer a part of Naughty Dog. But I think the people who did kind of take over in the meantime, uh, kind of built on what the company was already doing. And, uh, and that's when we, where we find ourselves with Uncharted. Ooh. Yeah. Now Uncharted was a game series that I unfortunately got a little bit of a late start in because I remember people talking about it a great deal, but I'm not sure if it was one of those things where I was just, I had either a lot of things going on in my life or just um, was just had other games to get through that were 
being a bit, you know, distracting me at the time, but I, it always, it never left my radar. And I did eventually get to play um, the very first game, uh, Uncharted Drake's Fortune, uh, years later. And mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it, but I think it wasn't until the game hit its sequel. Um, what was it? Honor Among Thieves? If I recall the title? I believe so, yes. Yeah, Honor Among Thieves. Um, that, I believe, is when Naughty Dog really kind of hit their oh, Among Thieves. just Among uh, Thieves, okay. Yeah. Um, where they really kind of hit their stride with the Uncharted games and really hit the ball out of the park. Mm-hmm. Which I actually, again, I've only played the first one. I have not played this game. I have not played the third game. I have played bits of the fourth game. So I, I, I regret to say that I am woefully ignorant in terms of, you know, all of the key moments and big set pieces that have made Uncharted, you know, a household name. Uh, Chris, I know you have played a, quite a few of them. Which, which I have played them all. Of? I have played them all. I am at, just sitting here right now. I've noticed that from where I'm, my seat, I can see the PlayStation 3 copies of the first Uncharted <laughs> and the sequel and the third one. And the Lost Legacy on PlayStation 4, and the, uh, the, the remastered one on PlayStation 4, and Uncharted <laughs> 4. So obviously, I'm quite a fan of this series. Yeah. Because um, not only did I play them on PlayStation 3, I then got the remastered one. Um, I, I was kind of a. Um, my PlayStation 3 experience was kind of weird in that I was kind of a reluctant PlayStation 3 owner at first. I got it as a Blu-ray player. I was like, I was, um, cause I, I think when they first came out, they were, they were real expensive. Uh, they, um, they cocked up the release a bit for some reason. I can't remember what, um, mm-hmm. cause you know, I think they were riding high on PlayStation 2 being like the biggest thing ever. And they were like, Oh, oh yeah. everyone just take our money. Uh, I mean, give us your money. And, um, <laughs> I, what's that? What's that meme that uh, has been taken from uh, from Futurama? Shut up and take my money! Yeah, I think um, I was sort of more into my Nintendo at that point or something. But so I got it because I got a first HD TV and I wanted um, wanted to watch Blu-rays. So I ended up getting a second-hand PlayStation Three, and I think one of the first games I thought I'd give a try was Uncharted. And I fell in love with it and uh, ended up, I think I rented it first and ended up owning it because it was so good. Um, and as I've said, big Tomb Raider fan. So um, it kind of, the fact that it was a lot like, what if Lara was a bloke, I guess? <laughs> um, or, you know, or what if Indiana Jones was in modern times or basically the same sort of adventurer interactive interactive indiana jones experience basically Mm -hmm. and i was like interested in the plot and everything like the idea of him being the idea of him being uh like a treasure hunter related to Mm -hmm. um to francis drake or whatever um Mm -hmm. although as it turns out, maybe not. Uh, but um, <laughs> and surprises the, and twists galore. 
and like the characters and stuff you meet and just the, the game itself was really entertaining and, and smooth and fun and everything um and i i seem to remember at the time thinking one of the things i like about it is there's all these puzzles and most of them can be solved by like shooting something or so as it turns out you get more complicated puzzles and stuff but um ah. i remember it I, feeling like it was like a, it was possible for me to get quite far in it unlike a lot of games i thought it was just mm-hmm. a smooth experience to play but um like it was really cinematic and like the story and everything yeah. and uh the characters were great like obviously nathan drake and elena and uh sally and everything and like all the twists and everything and old oh, and like early in the first game there's like a, a nazi submarine in in the middle of the jungle or something i remember that set piece that was that was a very like i think that was when i was first playing that first uncharted game that that really pulled me in Mm -hmm. and then obviously you get to the other games uh which um they just ramp it up really they're just like (laughs) let's put let's do that only more and the um, more intense mm-hmm. more extreme and the stories um get more sophisticated and everything and by the time you get to uncharted 4 then it's just so amazing like the um the like the locations and everything like you spend a lot of time in madagascar and mm. uh, i was i remember playing that game and then watching a like wildlife documentary on madagascar and realizing like how much I like recognize the landscape and everything from playing the game. I was like, oh, they, they must have just done some really good research because that is actually what Madagascar looks like and stuff like that. Which, yeah, yeah. Which is really cool. And um, yeah, in the fourth game, you've got things, it's like such strange sequences. Like, this, it's so cinematic because you get like flashback levels where you're, where you're a kid, for example. Ah, or there's um, or the game starts and you're um, you're because uh, he's like married now, um, mm-hmm. and uh, like there's a, a trading level and you um, like just going around your house and like um, shooting like sucker guns and things and just having messing around in your house and also you get to play Crash Bandicoot on. That on... was a really nice touch. I thought that was. I have I see I saw that little little bit in the that one scene where he's where Elena and uh and Nathan are in their living room eating cereal for dinner it looks like and then just playing Crash Bandicoot. And I actually recently finished Uncharted Four, which is a very rare occurrence for me because I am bad at games, <laughs> and it was very satisfying and the end was great and it was so much fun and it's. I was just, it's definitely one of the, the best games I've played. Um, and uh, yeah, Uncharted 4 is amazing. And um, then there's Uncharted The Lost, Lost Legacy, which is yep. also interesting, but with different characters who are um, side characters. Uh, it, it's a bit, I, I guess it's more puzzly and stuff. And it's, um, the mood's a bit different from, because, mm-hmm you're like a mercenary and a um because there's two female leads mm-hmm. um i forget their names <laughs> chloe 
Chloe. Yeah, I think is the main the main character that you play as, and uh, Dean Ross are the two. Thank you. Good thing you're here. <laughs> <laughs> those, both of those characters left a big impression on me, and um, and the the game because I've had a little of an opportunity to play this particular game. So yeah, mm-hmm. I'm not going to forget their names anytime soon. <laughs> yeah, Uncharted is good, um, and but there's also been sort of a I think there's been like a one atmosphere between that and Tomb Raider, because ah, uh. I am, um, yeah, I remember. I apologise in advance that by review when I first played the first Tomb Raider game on PlayStation Three, like the like the reboot when mm-hmm. that first came out, mm-hmm. I I apologise. My review at the time was, oh, it's like Uncharted with a dice of bum. Uh, <laughs> um. And then um, I think, like, later, whatever the next Uncharted came out after that, I think mm-hmm. they learned from Tomb Raider, and that was a bit better than that Tomb Raider. And then, <laughs> uh, like, Rise of the Tomb Raider came out, and that's a bit better than the next Uncharted game. And now they have another Tomb Raider that's out right now. It just, it's gone back yeah. and forth. And to be fair, this is still Crystal Dynamics making Tomb Raider right now mm-hmm. and um certain individuals who were involved in uncharted originally came from crystal dynamics hey, they? um i do believe um one of oh. the but she's not with them anymore um amy hennig oh because oh legacy of kane was crystal dynamics yes 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 it was and that was and, a vampire game mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i do believe also um make sure I have the, my facts straight. Um, da, 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 da. Okay, I think I did have someone here, oh, else who here who uh, came from Crystal Island, but there were a few there were a few people who came from uh, oh wait, um, here we go. It was the art, one of the art directors for Naughty Dog um, who would later become a co-director and also game uh, game director and that is Bruce Straley. He was also he also came from Crystal Dynamics. I would like to I say some Donati dog. That I, I think there is room for both Uncharted and Tomb Raider in the world and they're both great. And my copy of Tomb Raider I can also see Rise of the Rise of the Tomb Raider on my shelf on top of my copy of the last one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, you hear that, guys? Yeah. We love all your games. Yeah. So you don't have to kill yourself trying to one-up the other one, but keep your health, you know, healthy spirit and competitions, you know, that's all well and good. Just don't just don't let it get too crazy. Yeah, but, um... So, so I've obviously got a type of game I like, or mm-hmm. one of the types of games I like. Well, it's a game, it's a type of game that I notice is getting a lot more traction on, uh, especially now, right now more than ever. Like the cinematic um, third-person perspective adventure, story-driven mm-hmm. action adventure game has been really, really kind of like within the year 2018. You know, between 2017 and 2018, is for for Sony has really kind of um, been making a big, big strides recently. And I think Naughty Dog's success with that genre has kind of pushed that with a lot of different with uh, different studios too. Um, like I can say from personal experience that there's, I've, it's still 
Insomniac's game, and I still love Insomniac for what they do individually, but I still kind of get the feeling with the, with the Marvel Spider-Man game, there is still a lot of, like, there, there, I think there are certain points, like, you know, people are attempting to do, to, because it feels good, because why shy away from something that definitely works, and, you know, if, you know, makes the game more of an immersive experience, like, you know, learn, learn from other people. Don't copy from other people, learn from other people. You don't have to learn necessarily from the same people in the same studio, but also what's out there in, in the, at, the, at the time. And I know Naughty Dog's been doing that since the very beginning, adapting with what's been out at the time and seeing what works, what doesn't work, and trying to incorporate it into the games that they make, but not, but still keeping to an idea, still keeping to a goal to make that game stand out above the rest. And, and I know Uncharted certainly did that with how it really kind of pushed what Naughty Dog was already kind of doing with, you know, kind of got their started with Jack and Daxter to really kind of push a uh, more interactivity between like the cinematic grand, you know, like those grand action sequences that you remember from Uncharted and really kind of, you know, finding every new game, pushing it and pushing it and pushing it until it became, like, just unbelievable. I kind of feel like people think, though, even though they're like Uncharted, I think it seems to be almost like the prevailing opinion is that their masterpiece was um, The Last of Us, mm. which is obviously the next game or next games that we need to get onto. Um yeah, that was actually an interesting the way that they split that because I think Uncharted Three had yet to be made, so they kind of split Naughty Dog between two teams to work on one to work on the next Uncharted, and then The Last of Us was that other kind of secretive project because mm-hmm. I think I'm trying to remember because I read this before and I'll have to make sure I double check that article and find it and link it to the show notes because I think the originally the intention was while continuing the story of um, Nathan Drake and you know, into the third, a third installment, they really wanted to return to Jack and Daxter to try and, you know, maybe do something else for there to fit a more, you know, for the PlayStation 3. But really after the third title, they was just like, you know, really what, what left, what is left for their, us to tell? So they mm-hmm. kind of like originally were hoping to maybe try and do something with it. And then they're like, you know, we'll, we'd be doing, the people who love this franchise a disservice by trying to push it beyond what it was capable of in the first place. So they basically followed a bunch of different ideas to try and see what, what they could make instead. And it ended up being the last of us. Quite different from Jack and Daxter, I would say. Very, very, but I think it was a, again, a step in a different direction. Like you have, it's still like, you can still, if you play it between like an uncharted game and The Last of Us, there's sim- you can still see similar like ideas in terms of, you know, it's still third-person perspective, you know, following a protagonist and trying to survive in, a, in an environment that's out to get you, but it's, oh my god, that game has so much heart and feels, like, mm-hmm. from the moment you pick it up, and a large part of the reason what makes it so hard-hitting and so emotional and so memorable for a lot of people who play it, um, is the fact that there's just so much detail mm-hmm. layered into this game. Like, I'll never forget when I first gave it a shot myself, and you're playing this intro sequence of um, 
Joel, the player, you know, eventually who the guy who will become the player character, Joel, you're playing as his daughter. And, you know, as she wakes up in the middle of the night, when the whole zombie apart, you know, the apocalypse start, basically starts happening. And I remember just like, you know, as you, when you're first given control of her and you're looking around her room and just it's layers upon layers of little details, which gives you an idea of who she is, what her life's like with Joel, like the kind of, it's, you know, information that will serve to kind of give you context to what kind of person Joel is when you, you know, when the world later goes to hell and you, you see his actions and what he does to, you know, get by. It's, it's just, oh gosh, I could, I could play that over and over again, but I can't because I'd be an emotional wreck each time. <laughs> yeah. It's, that game is very creepy as well, obviously. Well, yeah. I mean, the whole fact that they were trying, you know, because you could have just made the zombie apocalypse about anything. You could have just like, oh, it's just a virus or it's just, you know, you know, chemicals were exposed from this, you know, secret experiment that was never meant to get out. But it's like, no, this was supposed to be a freak evolution of an actual living bacteria that does exist in our world. And just kind of like, you know, we're just taking that a horror twist onto that. And it's just, that's, that's a really cool idea. Mm. And it made, it kind of gave a new level of just creepiness and just, you know, unsettling nature to the fact that this is something that does exist in the, in modern day. This wasn't just made up to sort of a plot point. Mm -hmm. Though I don't imagine, I don't imagine, I certainly hope that nothing, nothing like that would ever be possible with the actually, with the actual bacteria. But you know, that's always the horror of like, Oh, what if, you know, this virus does this or, you know, Tapping into a real, real primal fear yeah, of society. It's, it's basically like wandering around the opening scene of any like post-apocalyptic or zombie apocalypse type with lots of empty, like they all, all are like the reclaimed cities and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, that like. It, it's New York, is it? I guess I can't, it's a while since I played it, to be honest. Oh Lord! Um, well, I know. Or is it not? I don't know. <laughs> I think it was in te Texas. Oh, okay. I think I like because I, I remember because um, that's why they um, they had Troy Baker uh, doing the voice for um, Joel, and I remember like I think he's from there, so uh -huh. that's why they wanted to cast him in that role because he had the per you know he that was the natural you know a natural accent that he could tap into to play that character. But, um, ah, but yeah, it's, it's, it's hard for me to remember the different locations. Cause it, you know, in the last episode, cause, cause you go to a bunch of different places through the course of the game as, cause the whole premise of it is to find, you know, to basically take this, um, young girl, you know, you know preteen girl, Ellie from point A to point B, cause she's supposedly, you know, she's been bitten by one of these zombies or these infected um, individuals, and she has not succumbed to it. So they basically, she's basically like the the last hope of humanity to kind of beat this thing. And so you might that's, say she's the last of us of the title. Da, 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 <laughs> name drop. But um, but yeah, it's just it's. Like, that's the premise that we're given, but again, it's just, it's, 
this is really about the journey of of Joel and Ellie as they go from as they as they make this as they travel together and how Joel goes from this you know a man hardened by a really traumatic loss and having to survive in this like a world that he didn't grow up in versus El, you know Ellie who grew up who has known nothing but this world of living in fear of these infected zombies and you know having to deal with the fact that she you know has no other choice but to kind of be this this person who will save the world even though she's not entirely sure what you know I'm not she I think she knows what that means it's just that the fact that she's just she's still a teen girl and has you know insecurities and you know confident you know I don't know it's like I can't really put into words right now and I apologize for that but just she's a very relatable character and I'm that's one of the the biggest things that I enjoyed about The Last of Us is the fact that I really loved that di- the dynamic that she and Joel had together and played off each other. It's even like, you know, outside of cutscenes where you just had, say, you're just exploring around um, a ruined city and you, you know, every now and again, she'll reach into her bag and she'll take out a pun book and just start listing off puns. And I'm just, and every single one, every one she reads, I'm like, oh, oh man. This is like just little good little kernels of humor to break the tense, tense action and drama of this game was just exactly what I needed. Even the puns that would normally get an eye roll out of me were just kind of like, oh, I really needed that. <laughs> I really needed that, Ellie. Thank you. Yeah, but also like the unspoiling the, the, like the character moments in the story as you're playing rather than through cutscenes. That's like a big thing, I guess, through other Naughty Dog games, because you get that a lot in Uncharted. Because mm-hmm. um, uh, <laughs> there's in Uncharted Four, um, there's lots of bits where you're um, you're playing alongside another character. Mm-hmm. Um, like the start of the game, you spend a lot of time with Sally, and then there's another bit where you spend a lot of time with your brother, and mm-hmm. then later it sort of becomes almost like a rom-com because you're running around with your wife and uh, <laughs> you're sparring and everything and it's really entertaining to, like, to hear their little back and forth as as they um you know they're going on the adventure and they're making jokes making fun of each other and stuff like that and uh, stuff like that so yeah, I, I remember guess, I'm sorry go ahead I guess they, they do that a bit in Last of Us as well but in a different way <laughs> well yeah because i've noticed even back like like with jack and daxter like there was a very strong sense about i mean you've got your protagonist sure but you there is a lot of time spent on about on the side characters or characters that share screen time with the primary character and just not only paying attention giving details to their animation to make them feel unique but also their dialogue and how they work off the other characters and the player and the player character. Like that's always been like a big thing that has drawn me to Naughty Dog games is the, how well they establish those characters and have them interact with each other. And that's aside from the spectacle on the action, which I think is, you know, as you, you know, people who are familiar with Uncharted and the last of us are familiar with, like they're on, you know, the big spectacle, the cinematic, you know, basically feel like you're playing an action or a, a character drama film, but it it's always comes back to those characters and how they interact with each other. Like, I hope that no matter how um, Naughty Dog might change in the future, 
that they never lose sight of staying true to the characters that they create and basically and, and the, how tricky and how difficult that is to try and find and create realistic relationships between characters that you invent to serve a story or characters that you just that, that just feel right to be the ones to tell the story that you're trying to tell and just as long as they never they're always keep you know their feet on the ground and make sure that you remember that that is one of their strongest aspects to their games i'll always buy their games like and that that's that's what continuously draws me and the spectacle to me is secondary to making the characters relatable and believable and just because that pulls you into the world all the more that they've created, like The Last of Us or Jack and Daxter. No matter, no matter what the tone is. <laughs> well, it looks like The Last of Us Part 2 is going to carry on in that tradition with, like, the trailer being basically, hey, this is this is the character moment. <laughs> mm-hmm. it was the E3 review, reveal trailer. There was, well, we have seen some gameplay as well, but... Yeah, it, I would still say it's, again... As I as I reiterated in um, the E3 episode, it might still be a little too early to tell. Like, it's interesting from what they were show that what they they've chosen to show for E3 for the second Last of Us, and I am very happy that it's Ellie is the one who's taking center stage. I certainly hope Joel is still in and involved in a certain way because I it's it's like one of those character duos that I really don't want to have to have split up necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, even though if this, knowing how The Last of Us can just, like, find ways to, like, just rip your heart out and, like, step on it for the sake of dramatic tension, I have a, (laughs) I have a sinking feeling something might really bad happen to Joel, and I'm like, no, please don't do it. Mm. Don't do it, please. You can't separate these two. They're like peanut butter and jelly or chocolate and, you know, chocolate and vanilla. You just, you don't, you don't take one at away from the other because it's just if when you do it feels unnatural at least it feels that way to me like jack and daxter were that way um nate you know nathan and um oh my gosh i'm gonna make sure i remember her name um he he ends up marrying her what is her name elena elena yeah nathan and elena they have their little rom-com bit in uncharted 4 yeah it's just like it's it's like those interactions are just so like oh so well written like even like, even better yet like i think those two characters in particular nathan and elena mm-hmm. were probably in terms of a realistic relationship in, mm-hmm. in a video game like that is one of the best i've ever seen like from start to finish mm-hmm. so like you know <laughs> yeah. gold star gold star naughty dog but yeah, it's just that that's that's always been kind of like the big draw for me, and with Naughty Dog, as was like this like how well they established and characterized these characters that they've created over the years. Um, even even as early back as you know Crash Bandicoot, just like I said, how he was like the the you know the the new kid on the block who was just like ready to like show what he can do. It's like, hey guys, I'm here to be awesome, and you're gonna watch me be awesome. I'm going to be better than you. Like there's just so much personality to that. And I just, that has kind of carried on in different forms with uh, Naughty Dog's games. And I really think it's worth celebrating, 
even though, like I said, no, no studio is perfect. There's always going to be controversies and things that they do wrong, things they don't acknowledge that will crop up. But I don't want that to overshadow the things that, you know, where that, where Naughty Dog began and what they have done right, because I think it's something that deserves being carried on into the future. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> do I remember there being a thing about Ellen Page was going to sue them or something based on the similarity? People thought that Ellie in um, Last of Us is clearly based on Ellen Page. Um, I actually did not. I, that, I did not hear about that. Or did people just say, hey, she should sue because it's clearly based on... Um, and then it was weird because then that game came out that actually had Ellen Page in it, um, the uh, huh. the Beyond Two Souls. Um, oh, huh. But it seems like it's a bit of a thing that Naughty Dog do because um, Nathan Drake is clearly clearly Nathan Fillion. It's just a fact. <laughs> <laughs> I think the word I think the word we're looking for is visually inspired, because I mean, yeah, he's like him too. <laughs> Well, it just well, I know with with artists, and I, I've done this myself in my own attempts of you know learning how to draw and design characters and stuff. Sometimes it helps to kind of get an idea of what you're looking for, like when you're watching or like look at actual people and different characteristics that they might have: the shape of a face, the length of the nose, size of the size and uh, place of the eyes, and depending, obviously, depending on how good of an artist you are, uh, how accurate that comes back and what you create may vary, but it actually kind of helps to have those kind of references, especially when you're trying to design something from scratch, to just kind of give you an idea of, like, or find that kind of, like, spark of life when you're trying to make a character and, you know, how they behave, you know, might behave or look or move. But this is, again, this is coming from someone who's only had a very cursory knowledge of an experience of learning to, A, learning to draw people and learning how to construct characters. So take my words with a grain of salt, but that's just what I, how I understand it. And if, who knows, maybe there could be legitimate concern, you know, behind people being, like, too closely replicated for these games. I don't know. I've, it's, I'm, I'm a... Outside third-party observer, folks. I have no personal stakes or, or I you know preferences. I don't think Nathan Fillion minds, and I think he he was behind the campaign that he should definitely play him in the film. If they I go him. see that movie, but it's not going to happen because he's probably too old now. And they were going to make a movie, and then first they were going to put Mark Wahlberg in it, which is completely wrong. And what? Now, and now. Now they're talking about making it with Tom Holland, who is baby Spider Man, who's like twelve. I <laughs> no, mean, he's older than that. Okay, he's older than that. Okay, he's not twelve, but uh, I, he doesn't see. <laughs> it's hard great. to see right now. It's hard to see right now. He makes a great Peter Parker, but he he's, does. He's playing a fifteen-year-old or whatever, so it's hard to imagine him as. <laughs> as Nathan Drake. Though I can kind of understand that choice a little better, at least in terms of the way his face looks. Because mm -hmm. sometimes when you're trying to go, like I remember back when they were talking about um, 
in the Star Wars when they were doing the uh, prequel trilogy, how they, why they, one of the reasons they picked Ewan McGregor for the role was because of the fact that him and his, um, Alec, Alec Guinness, if I'm trying to make sure I'm pronouncing his name right, the original Obi-Wan Kenobi had a similar face structure. They weren't related by any stretch, but their faces looked similar. So you could make the logical jump that one was a younger version of that same actor or looked like a younger version of that same actor. So, and I can kind of just by looking at, like I'm picturing like Tom Holland's face in my mind. I can kind of see why someone could look at that and go, huh, that's kind of a little, like it's got some similarity to, to Nathan's face, but, and I, I will say it's, it's, it is easy at least at this point because he's been playing Actively, actively been playing Spider-Man for three films now. It's hard to not see that. <laughs> but I think if he want, if if he wants to, and if he like, if the, it would be, I would still go and see that. I would still go and see that. They would just yeah. have to get the rest of it good. It, it should be Nathan Fillion digitally de-aged. Like okay, to be fair, I'd see both of those. I would see both versions of that movie. I would see one with Nathan Fillion because I love Nathan Fillion. You know, Firefly. You know, Serenity for Life. Um. And and Tom Holland because one of my all time favorite Peter you know Peter Parker's <laughs> compromise compromise right Nathan yeah. Fillion plays older older Nathan Drake and he plays him younger and there you flashbacks go. there, you, there go. you go that sounds perfect because that, that would make if it, they used the plot for Uncharted Four you need him younger and then maybe he's not quite that young. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, um, if I'm sorry to, to cut away here, but um, there was something I did hear about um, in regards to kind of Naughty Dog's past, at least in regards to Uncharted 4. Um, was there supposed to be, because I think originally the game was supposed to go in a different direction, or there was like some, um, the game had to be held back for a little while because I think they had some development issues and maybe had to take the story in a new direction, didn't you? And then, so it ended up different than the way it was originally intended. Did you, were you familiar at all with that? I can't say I am, no. Because mm. uh, I do know, I remember recalling at one point that there was a big um, hullabaloo back when, I think it was 2014, when this, when Uncharted 4 was in development. And I know at that, at that time, um, Amy Hennig, who was supposed to be working on Uncharted 4, that was around the time that she made her... Um, departure from mm-hmm. oh, yeah. supposedly there was a article that cited that she had been pushed out of oh, Naughty Dog but that's um not good. <laughs> no well I'm not entirely sure I'll have to double check my sources on this. I know Naughty Dog followed that up with, you know, we were you know we we wish her the best. She's a great person. We wish her all the best in her future endeavors. Um but let's make one thing clear. You know, none of, you know, no one involved in your, no one mentioned that article that quote unquote pushed out her, you know, that quote unquote pushed out that none of that happened. They basically denied that that happened, which again, I'll have to double check my sources to make sure that that is, you know, legitimate or not. But Mm -hmm. considering the, the temperament and the culture of what I've, you know, from looking into Naughty Dog and how they've, they've gone about making these games and how they treat each other i would like to think that that's not the case mm-hmm. and they, they get me they give me that vibe that they're sort of better than that yeah but again since i am not involved with them i am not done i'm mainly here to talk about the games and the animation i'm not here to talk about 
you know, the internal politics of Naughty Dog, but I would like to hope that that's not the case. But I just think that was an interesting idea, like, of a version of Uncharted 4 that had, you know, that never got to be, and kind of was curious to see if they had any ideas of what that could have entailed or not. I, I know I'm very curious to find out more. Mm-hmm. And I hope Naughty Dog is willing to share that because that's getting to see another side of a game that is, you know, did end up being so polished and so enjoyable. You know, it's, it's worth, it's worth, you know, to offer that opportunity for people who enjoy it so much. Like, okay, this is what could have been. <laughs> kind of like with, you know, Zootopia and some of those other, you know, and, and feature films who've, you know, had similar experiences. Like we went and we were going to go in this direction, but then we had to then we realized we had to take a 180 and go in this other direction. So Uncharted 4 is supposed to be, obviously, it's called Feast, A Feast End, and it's supposed mm-hmm. to be the final Nathan Drake game. Mm-hmm. And then we have the uh, Lost Legacy game with um, spin-off characters. Do you think, what do you think? Do you think they will carry on the Uncharted series? Mm, it's hard to say. I think... From my personal standpoint, I feel like Uncharted has done all it's can, all, all, it's, all it's capable of doing. I mean, I, I can't see a, another story unless it really, like, like, oh, I didn't think of that, you know, jumps out at me. I really can't think of any other story that really needs telling with those characters, because I think, you know, we've reached a logical conclusion. Like, Nathan Drake has given up the the treasure hunting lifestyle at least he's found a better way to do that with his hints you know you know with while also supporting the family life mm-hmm. um which was a great ending you know final arc of that character um i really satisfied that both chloe and nadine kind of got you know two individual female characters have both been featured um in previous titles uh the second uncharted and uh nadine was in uncharted four how both of them kind of were just kind of, they were like, I wouldn't say they were lost, but they were just kind of like going around doing their own thing very independently. I like the fact that they found a sort of companionship with each other. Mm-hmm. And also I really like Chloe's character development too. Basically it's like, I can't, you know, I'm tired of running away or walking away from a problem, which was very, I don't know. It's just like, I like the idea. Like we kind of have both the, you know, Nathan who's basically, you know, a treasure hunter, but tries to stay more on the lawful side of things. Whereas we have the characters who are a little bit more on the unlawful side of things, kind of finding a happy balance with each other. Yeah. So it's, again, I think unless they wow me with a, a story that I never even thought of with these characters, I think I would be okay with not having to see or not, uh, another story out of the Uncharted games. I, I like the fact that they're going back to The Last of Us because there is there's a lot more potential for stories there than um than uncharted because there is that whole idea of now that there are no longer these infected spores like they've all died out at least from what i recall that was the ending of the game now society's still in disarray what happens now like because there are all these different factions of people you know former governments trying to hold you know some kind of control versus people who have just kind of started living independently, making their own kind of independent living just to survive. Like, how does that, how is that going to work? 
Well, as anyone who's ever watched any zombie film or TV series ever knows, it's not really the zombies who are the monsters. Ooh, it's yes, the peoples. This is very true. And also, it's the zombies. Well, yeah. Yeah, they Obviously. are too, because they eat people, which other people <laughs> don't do. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very tempted to say I want more Uncharted because I love it. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I mean, even like with Last of Us 2 coming out, there is a bit of me that's like, I kind of want them to do something new. Just... Agreed. Um, I would be very interested to see if Naughty Dog would, would be interested in um, and, and, you know, breaking through with another new IP or another new series or just even just a standalone game. I would actually, personally speaking, even I'm not saying they have to do another Jack and Daxter game because as, as we've said previously, that ship has sailed. And I don't think they should retread that particular ground, but I would love to see a revisit to kind of more of that lighthearted kind of cartoony kind of looking game. And so now that they have, because I mean, the big thing with Jack and Daxter is that they didn't have, I mean, the PlayStation 2 had a lot of new tech to offer them, but it's still in terms of the kind of stuff that's required for cartoonish looking animation, you know, with all the squash and stretch that's mm-hmm. required in order to kind of give it that 2D feel. They had they were they were able to do a lot with what they had, but there were still a lot of limitations on what they could do. So now that those have been eased a little bit with you know technology that's now available for that you know for the PlayStation Four, I would love to see a kind of return to that kind of style. If that would be something that they if that would be a direction they'd be interested in taking, but I think considering all of the you know, the action heavy and the, especially with all the heavy drama of um, The Last of Us, I think it might be good. It might be interesting to kind of go back to that lighthearted and cartoonish look and see what kind of what kind of story or gameplay could come out of that. That would be interesting to see, but it's kind of hard to imagine them doing it at the moment because they, they seem to have gone in more cinematic, darker directions. But we shall see. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Stranger things have happened. Yes, indeed. And it's like I said, it all depends on what's really being, what's going on in games now or what's going on in games at the time that really kind of influences the directions that Naughty Dog takes. And we'll see how, because really, as I said earlier, like it really feels like a lot of games are really kind of following their lead in a way. Like, games such as um you know god of war and this new spider-man game while still very much their own identities and you know doing things that you know naughty dog really you know it's it makes those games unique to them and that studio they're the studios that made them but there's still that kind of similar cinematic flair which is i'm seeing to trend a lot more through sony titles yeah i think horizon zero dawn's influenced by the them quite a bit as well that too yeah that's a that's a good example as well mm. so it's just like it's these little things that are kind of like you know it's it's it's, a, it's very interesting with the gaming industry sometimes when games are really successful what kind of a domino effect will can can come out of that in terms of seeing like what other studios will take from looking at what works and what doesn't work and building on top of that in order to make you know items an already existing project that they're working on to make it even better 
So we'll just we'll have to see how the domino that particular domino effect uh, works for um, for Naughty Dog and the people who have been in and out of their doors because obviously the people who originally founded the studio and the what made it what it is are unfortunately not there anymore. But I sincerely with every one of those individuals I think who have come in and out of Naughty Dog's uh, studios doors have left a very big impact on how the studio has grown as a whole. So to all of you guys who have made some amazing games, whether you're still in the studio or not, I, I get, I say cheers and a good day to you and a bright future. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're listening to this and you've never played an Naughty Dog game and you've got a PlayStation 4, then recommend pick it up either the Uncharted Nathan Drake collection if you want to start at the beginning or or the fourth game pretty much you can you can play it without having played any of the others it's not a big thing but you can get them both pretty cheap now so yeah they're... and and not even not only that too but a lot of them you know the, as I mentioned also earlier the the Crash Bandicoot games have been remastered um mm-hmm. Jack and Daxter uh, series has been remastered so if you've, if there are any of the games that we've mentioned that you've never played and you want to give it a shot, like now is a better time than ever to, to you know, buy a, a bunch of them at once or any one or any individual one that you're interested in and give it a shot because they're all definitely, I would say they're definitely worth the time and, and money depending on what, what actually strikes your fancy. Do you like silly linear platforming? Do you like more cartoony and also a bit more of a perspiration? first person shooter vibe do you like indiana jones style adventure or do you like you know re, you know semi-realistic zombie post-apocalyptic character drama like it's you have a wide variety of choices to choose from but sadly there isn't a remastered version of way of the warrior or rings no. of power or keeps the thief which are apparently their first games that none yeah. of us have played um but where the warrior seems like it was a Mortal Kombat clone. Um, for the I would say more inspired by Mortal Kombat than anything. But it was just, it's it's a great thing to look at though because you can tell that that was when um, uh, both of the original two guys were really just kind of like they were make it was a passion thing for them and just taking pictures of family and friends to put in as the as the fighter characters for this game and it's really funny it's like auntie mary versus dave uncle dave <laughs> I'd, I'd love to play that if it was if it was somehow still available but i have yet to have a chance to look for it but if i do if i do find it in time for this episode's release i will uh and it is available somewhere i will make sure to leave a link somewhere because it's if you like, if you're already a Naughty Dog fan and you haven't seen this or heard about this game, check it out. It looks like a good time. <laughs> All right. Well, I do think we have exhausted the topic. I'm sure there's more things we can mention. There were certain names I wanted to try and get to that we unfortunately didn't get to mention in, at length today, you know, character designers as well as a few other key individuals. But I'll make sure to leave links in the show notes uh, below if you're curious to look at see with a lot of, because there are certain, as I said, that like these, the people who were involved with 99 Studios, whether they're there still or they've um, moved on, 
they've more than likely been involved with quite a few things that you might be familiar with without maybe really realizing it. I know that definitely was the case for myself. Like I was just doing my research like, oh my God, wait, what? This person designed like Crash Bandicoot Spyro and like Ann Daxter at the same, like, you know, in the relative same space. Like what? <laughs> but um, yeah, I'll leave links in the show notes so you can look into that and, um, and, and enjoy that as you will. And I think that about wraps it up for this episode of the AFA Gaming Podcast. I'll go through the usual. If you want to see new game reviews of games that are either coming out now or some classic favorites, uh, by all means, check out our website at animationforadults.com and look at our gaming section. We have quite a few articles up. I am trying my best to stay on top of new releases, but as I am one person, hopefully it might take me a little while, but if you have any requests of games that you'd like me to look at or discuss, you know, send me a shout out at our, um, at our podcast email, and I'll be sure to take a look at that. If you want to support us um, and also the official podcast for the AFA, the AFA podcast, our official podcast on animation of all types, uh, please, you know, go and look at any of our social media pages at, um, on Twitter, at AFA blog, on Facebook, on Pinterest, on Instagram, and on Tumblr. And also, don't forget to check out the um, Patreon page as well as the Kofi page if you'd like to help us support us financially. And because, you know, any, any little bit helps because that, that goes toward, you know, new things that we can review, new things that we can develop for the site to better cover or talk about things that are, you know, really excited to talk about the world of animation, you know, no matter what it's from, video games, you know, cartoons, anime, what have you, it's all worth talking about and seeing how the medium can evolve, you know, and don't forget the always awesome animated shorts that, you know, can be just made by anyone who's, has a passion for animation and it's, you know, it's all cool stuff to watch. So I do think that's about wraps it up. Now, Chris, where can we find you on social media? You can find me at Mr. Chris on Twitter. And if you want to follow me personally, I am also on Twitter at fail to ninja guys. It has been an absolute pleasure. We look forward to talking with you guys again on the next episode of the AFA gaming podcast. Have a great day. And we look forward to seeing, uh, talking to you again later. Bye. Bye.